It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Boy, gets to win it. Between circles, shoots and scores. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the winner for the Oilers in He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. First of all, thank you. If you just missed that total... Or you want to be sure you heard it right. The 19th annual Chorus Radiothon for the Stollery Children's Hospital total raised $1,438,000. Incredible. Thank you so much to everybody who was involved or donated. My goodness, that is an awesome total. Much appreciated. This is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, it's the final day of the Oilers' bye week. They will practice tomorrow. They will play Saturday. They will do it without the nooch. Centerized Carrier, and that could have been a hooking call against Nugent Hopkins. He took a hit up high, caught him in the left ear. Nugent Hopkins is stunned, and now Pugliarvi and Cassian's going to fight Braden McNabb, and he starts with a couple of clubbing left hands, and McNabb is down. That big hit from McNabb Saturday in Vegas. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you probably saw Jim Matheson from the Edmonton Journal say on Twitter, it is a bruised sternum, not expected to be serious, but not expected to play Saturday against the Canucks, Eero Pakarinen has been called up from the farm. Kelly Rudy joins us once a week here on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, analyst with the NHL on Rogers, Hockey Night in Canada. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How's it going, buddy? Fantastic, Reed. Thanks for having me on. And uh, more importantly, congratulations on all the great work for the charity to raise all that money for the Strollery possible that's fantastic yeah that's uh that is a shocking total and a lot of times i yeah. use the word shocking in a uh, negative yeah. connotation i think obviously i mean it in a very positive connotation for that one so that is that's absolutely uh, awesome like i'm almost beyond words that uh, that that uh, the radiothon reached that total this year so that is that is really yeah. cool kelly uh the nuge You've uh, you've loved the Nuge this year. Now I don't expect this is going to be long term, but that certainly uh, decreases some of the flexibility for what the Oilers can do up front, doesn't it? It really does. He's been having a fantastic uh, season. Uh, forget about his point totals, which it looked as though he was going to surpass any of his other previous totals. He was just uh, uh, doing everything that you could have asked for him. Um, and so I just think this is a, an enormous loss. Hopefully it's not too long for the Oilers. Uh, Bruce Sternum, I don't have a lot of uh, familiar memories of that kind of injury. Uh, I don't know how painful that would be. I don't know how severe, how the longevity of being out, but it certainly doesn't sound very pleasant. Uh, I think we all recognize anything in around the sternum, the ribs, any, any kind of area around that. Once you bruise it, 
it's very, very difficult. You cough, you sneeze, anything like that. So hopefully it's not something that's going to keep them out three weeks or more. Yeah, for sure. And if, if the Oilers have any chance to keep their hopes alive, they're going to need them. You know, I've, I don't know if I've ever asked you this specifically, Kelly, because last year that line of Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and Maroon, some people called it the best line in the league. If it wasn't, it was on a pretty short list. Obviously, this year they started together. Dreisaitl and uh, McDavid and Nugent Hopkins were split up for most of December, and the Oilers had a good little run leading into Christmas. Struggled coming out. Dreisaitl and McDavid were on the same line and uh, Nugent Hopkins was centering another line. Now they'll obviously lose that that option. Rob Brown, who I work with, has said he would play Dreisaitl with McDavid all the time because he thinks that the two best players, they, they see passing lanes like nobody else, uh, and, and they're dangerous. Are, are you in favor of that, or of putting the top guys on the same line, or do you think a team, to be successful, needs to split up its best offensive players? I think you need the flexibility to just sort of feel what your team needs at the time. I'm I'm with Rob most of the cases. I really feel that McDavid and Dreisaitl have to play together at least in large chunks of the season just because the, for the reasons that Rob said. They're dynamic together. They're so unusually difficult to stop. But I think if I were building a team, uh, my wish list would be the perfect setup would be McDavid, and number one center, number two would be Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins, my third. And then I think that when I match up that way around the rest of the league, I'm in great shape. I don't have to worry about uh, what the other team's going to throw my way. I'd be extremely comfortable with those three, one, two, three. But when you put, when you factor in just how the damage that McDavid and Dryside will do together, then you have to make some adjustments. It, it, those are good adjustments, by the way. It's not like, oh, well, boy, I guess we're going to have to suffer through this. I mean, they're all good adjustments. It's just that in an ideal world, I think when you look at the best teams, they've got the depth right down the middle, and and uh, in particular with Nugent Hopkins having such a, a spectacular year, that would be just ideal for me. Kelly, we it's, it's well established from your appearances on the show that you're a man who is not uncomfortable with leisure time, <laughs> should, should you be lucky enough to have it. Uh, the bye week was introduced in the NHL last year. Uh, this year, it's been slightly tweaked in terms of every team has it kind of in about a two-and-a-half-week stretch here in January as opposed to last year. They went from January to March. Um, five, you have to have a minimum of five days off. For the Oilers, it's five days away from a game. You practice tomorrow, you play on Saturday. Give me your perspective as an ex-player, best and worst thing about the bye week? Well, I'll approach this from just the uh, uh, position of goaltender. So, first of all, I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it's, it's, it's much needed. The season is so difficult. I think the players in today's game have a more difficult uh, regular season than we did. It just seems to me that we had more opportunity where we might have three or four nights off on occasion. Um, so, I think these guys are pushed. Uh, to the limit, so I, I'm really happy that the league has gone to this approach where you get that time away um, to clear the brain a little bit, mend the body just a little bit as well, but from a goaltender's perspective, it would really bug me, because I always found if I had like three days or more off, my eyes needed a day or two or three to adjust again to the speed of the game. It's, it was that quickly that I really felt that 
uh, I started to lose the, the, the speed of the game and my eyes were the ones that were really slow to adjust. So I think when you look at these breaks, uh, in my opinion, when you come back from it, it's the goaltenders that are going to be lagging behind a little bit. I know I've heard over the years that you know, even a, a four or five day break, guys would say, well, I'm losing my hands just a little bit. And that could be true as well. But the most important part for a goaltender is tracking the puck. And if your eyes are just a, just a hair behind, uh, that just causes all sorts of chaos. And, and, and more than anything, I, I think it just causes, causes you mental anguish because you're like, okay, well, how long till I start to feel, you know, back like I was prior to the break? And usually it comes fairly quickly, sometimes uh, quicker than others, but um, that was always the biggest adjustment for me. Well, the Oilers will play another team coming off its bye. That's Vancouver on Saturday, so maybe that will make a difference. And I'm, I'm glad you actually talked about that from a goaltending perspective because I think if you look at where the Oilers are at, and look, we know the odds of making the playoffs and all that kind of stuff, but you know they, they've won their last two. McDavid has looked deadly even when they were having trouble scoring coming out of Christmas. Montoya gave them an outstanding relief appearance in Arizona, and I thought Talbot was was quite solid against Vegas. And I wonder if if the Oilers have a chance to claw back in it, and it's going to be a hard ride. I wonder if it really starts with Talbot because I think McDavid looks like he's probably going to be dangerous. And he, you know, somebody called in after Saturday's game and said he's he's still going to improve. Which I, I would the twenty one, yeah. you haven't stopped learning. So do do you think the Oilers have a chance to make it at least interesting down the stretch? And I guess I'll, I'll ask you bluntly: Do you think it has to start with with Talbot in goal? Well, I think we talked about this uh, last week or two weeks ago. I still do believe they have an opportunity. It's slim, but I think that it still exists. And I, I think we gave a couple examples of teams that went on a great run, maybe Ottawa Senators a couple of years ago that went on a, a ridiculously great stretch near the end of the season to propel them in the playoffs. The Flames last year, I think they went 17-5 and five to get into the playoffs. So there, there's enough uh, experiences in recent memory to say, yeah, but to your point, it, it really does start to uh, with Talbot. You've got to have the goaltending that he provided last year. Um, and it, it's interesting. I, I watch him in stretches, and I, I'm having a hard time figuring him out in comparison to last year. Now, he set the bar awfully high last year, so maybe I shouldn't have thought that he was going to be at the exact same level the entire year this year. But then he fools you sometimes, and you got to give Todd McCollum a lot of credit because on Saturday – uh, I w- wouldn't have gone back with him after uh, the game Friday night. And that just tells you the experience that Todd has with him when he knows about him. And, and he, he, had, he had a really great game. To me, and I showed it in the second intermission, I believe. No, first intermission, it doesn't matter. I, I showed about his uh, positioning and his crease movements. And is way sharper than the night before. Now, Part of that's a little bit because he's more dialed in, a little bit of panic, you know, embarrassment from the night before. But I thought the night before when he uh, only made one save and three uh, or one save and three shots, I didn't think he was moving very well. I didn't like it. I know Todd put pin that one on the uh, players and said, that, hey, that was just get everybody else going. I didn't agree. I thought, if anything, Todd was trying to protect his goaltender by making those comments. But moving forward, they're going to have to have 
the last half of the year like he played the entire season for the Oilers last year. Otherwise, they don't really have a chance, regardless of what McDavid or, or Dreisaitl or whomever does up front. Let me ask you this, and you'll have a unique perspective having been in the position. What effect does the backup goaltender have on the starter? Because Montoya, again, he, he hasn't played much this year. His two appearances with the Oilers, he's been very good. His interview after the Arizona game was almost Grant Fuhr-esque, like almost just that, ah, I just got to stop the puck, a little more wordy than Grant was in, in his prime. Right. I wonder if that's going to affect Talbot differently than having Brassois as his backup would be. And I, like, I know they've only really been teammates for a week because we can't yeah. count this week, but I wonder if that relationship could help Talbot that Montoya's older and has been through more. I agree. I think it does. Um, I always felt, uh, well, first of all, when I was in New York, I always had the protection of Billy Smith. So I was an up-and-comer, and there was always Billy there, and then when I was finally able to wrestle, wrestle away the number one job from him, he was still right there with me. So that was that was a, a real comfort knowing that I had Billy Smith, that if I uh, didn't play as well as I needed to, he was going to save me, he was going to save our team. We had a really good uh, personal bond, so that was kind of uh, nice as well. Um, and then when I went to L.A., I had some really good backups, don't get me wrong, but when you're the true number one guy and you don't feel you have the same sort of uh, comfort level behind you that uh, I had with uh, Billy Smith, then it does add pressure and you have to learn how to accept it and how to deal with it. And then conversely, when you kind of change it a little bit when you're talking about different personalities, and, and I don't know about Persuade and I don't know about Montoya, but a certain personality is really good for a uh, number one guy. And some guys didn't like to, like Ed Belfort is famous for not wanting to feel any pressure from below. He wanted his backup to know he is a backup and not have the uh, likelihood of playing him playing very much not very great. Whereas I think most guys would say, you know, I don't mind being pushed. I like the comfort level of having a guy behind me in case I stumble a little bit. So we'll see if that, that comfort having that uh, veteran like Montoya is going to be a, a benefit to Talbot. Yeah, hopefully it can be. All right, Kelly, one more for you. Eric Lindros has had his number 88 retired by the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, obviously, you guys were in the league. Significant overlap in your careers, actually. Uh, you know, big man. He <laughs> could get tons of points, obviously, before the injuries started hampering him. What do you remember about Lindros? Okay, I don't think I've shared this story with you. When you sent me that text a couple hours ago, I was thinking, okay, the number one memory I have of Eric, and this might surprise some people, besides his play, because that was evident that he was a great player, but it was his first year, and uh, keep in mind where we were as an NHLPA. The association was kind of in turmoil, um, or, no, I take that back. We were in turmoil a couple of years before that. We start, started to right the ship, so to speak. Uh, we hired Bob Goodnow. We bravely went on strike the season before we got some of our uh, the money from the playing cards we made a whole bunch of internal changes we're an association uh, gaining some uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for something like we had more uh, more invested in it we, okay we put ourselves out there and we were more of a burden on ownership now because we're taking responsibility. You had more presence. You had a stronger presence. Yeah. yeah. 
And, and so that's when Eric came on board. And so his first year in Philadelphia, I recall a game late. I can't remember if it was March or April. And uh, there was a scrum at some point in the game in front of my crease. I fell down on the ice, onto my knees, grabbed the puck, the whistle blows. Eric is pushed down on the ice, and he and I kind of face-to-face. And I wanted to be very professional and not have the fans notice that we were talking or anything. And I didn't know him. I'd never met him. And I just quickly glanced up at him, and I said, Hey, Eric, thanks for everything you've done for us players. We're re- really going to benefit for your bravery, something like that. And he just quickly said, Thanks, Kelly, put his head down. And that's basically the last I ever talked to him about that. But that's what I always remembered about Eric, the importance that all of us knew because of what he did, um, that we were all going to make more money. And so I wanted him to know that, that – because I think there were some players that were somewhat jealous and there was some sort of underlying scene that uh, he should have just played for Quebec City and all that. And I I was uh, on the opposite side of that. I knew that because of his bravery, because we went on strike the year before and what we we're continuing to do, that all of us were going to start to make more and more money. And, and I was in for that. That's a cool story, Kelly. Thanks for sharing that. Hey, buddy. Uh Getting back to work, uh, obviously Oilers and Flames both coming out of their bye. We'll do this again next week. Hopefully the stretch drive is entertaining in both our cities, man. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, Al. Thanks, Reed. See you, bud. Former NHL goalie Kelly Rudy now with the NHL on Rogers checking in. Inside Sports on Chet. It is 623. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Hey, we had Mike Riley on the show a couple of days ago. You can get that interview on the Eskimos page on 630Ched.com. Had an extended talk with Mike about the Edmonton Economic Development Corporation video he was in, about having Kevin Glenn and his new backup, about Zilstra leaving, about Walker re-signing. Pretty uh, wide-ranging conversation with Mike Riley. Receiver Kenny Stafford will join us in studio later on on the show tonight. We'll also catch up with Rob Brown to go over some of the Oilers' new and the effect it'll have on the lineup for Vancouver on Saturday. And that news, if you missed it, Ryan Nugent Hopkins on injured reserve. Eero Pakarinen called up from Bakersfield where he has 13 points in 18 games so far this season. So I would expect we'll have uh, Maroon McDavid, Lucic Dreisaitl as left and center on the top two lines. Kajula and Puliyarvi, I would think, would be the right wingers. I'm not sure who's going to play where. You saw Kajula up there against Vegas. He got that big tying goal in the third period. Camilleri, Strom, Cassian likely to be your third line. And I would guess Kara, Latestu, and Pakarinen to be the fourth line. We'll know for sure once the Oilers get back to practice tomorrow, 11 o'clock at Rogers Place. Here what's, here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. The Devils lead the Capitals 3-2. That's in the second period. Also in the middle frame, Boston up 2-1 on the Islanders. The Blue Jackets lead the Stars 1-zip. After the first, Sabres and Rangers tied 1-1. Blues and Senators scoreless. Vegas leading Tampa Bay 2-0. James Neal has his 19th of the season. In the first 
period. Scoreless between the Leafs and the Flyers. Also scoreless, Arizona at Nashville. Coming up later tonight, the Sharks and the Avalanche. The Penguins will play the Kings. And, of course, that next Oilers game Saturday, 6.30 face-off show. 8 o'clock game start here on 6.30 Jet as they host the Vancouver Canucks. Tom Brady didn't practice today for the Patriots as they get ready for the AFC Championship game against the Jags. Bit of a problem with his right hand. Rob Brown after the news inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Okay, 11 o'clock practice tomorrow morning for Talbot and the Edmonton Oilers. I will be there. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2. I'll have Inside Sports, of course, from 6 to 8 tomorrow evening. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. We'll get to our Oilers analyst, former NHLer Rob Brown, here in a couple of minutes. A reminder, you can always text 630-630. Our open line number is 780-496-0063. Story ideas, welcome inside sports at 630ched.com. And if you use Twitter, on Twitter, it is at Reed Wilkins. If you are interested in following me, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, Wilkins like Dominique, who we did have on the show a couple of months ago. Wilkins interviewing Wilkins. I knew who he was. He had no idea who he was talking to. I was just looking at this story on our Global News website, A bear in central Alberta, I guess from a a zoo near Innisfail, eating ice cream at a Dairy Queen drive-thru. There's uh, some video of the bear leaning out the window of a vehicle and uh, licking slash consuming ice cream. And uh, (laughs) this... Maybe I shouldn't laugh because I, 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 this is one of those things could have gotten credit. It, it, this reminds me of a Simpsons episode <laughs> where the bear jumps out the window and eats everybody in the Dairy Queen and somebody says, Wait, I can't believe something would go wrong. We just promised him ice cream. Who knew he was a carnivore? Just anyway. wanna, I just want to apologize to everybody that wasn't a bear. That was me. That was, I was just getting my morning snack on. That's well, all it was. You've, you've, you've changed. A lot. Uh, I clean up well for this shift, don't I? Yeah, that's, anyway, pretty crazy story. Uh, That's all on 630ched.com, Global News website as well. So the Oilers are back at it. Nugent Hopkins is on injured reserve to discuss. We have our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown. Rob, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. How are you tonight? Well, I'm doing great. It's it's good to talk to you. We've been apart for almost a week because of the bye week. Man, that's tough during the year. You know, i got to tell you something, though. Greg Hoggood was on Inside Sports last night, and you helped connect me with him for an interview. And I said, who's the best player you ever played with? And he said, well, in the NHL, it was Ray Bork. But he said, in junior, no doubt about it, it was Rob Brown. How about that, eh? Some love from Greg Hoggood. Yeah, that's nice. He, was, uh, he and I had a nice little running Kamloops together for for four years. We were defense defense partners on the power play and uh, roommates on the road. So yeah, he was he was I, I got to admit he was probably one of the best junior hockey players I ever saw. I mean, if you look at his stats, 130, 140 points a year as a defenseman, and then turned out to be a pretty good NHL player as well. Well, that was fun to have him on the show. Now working at a maximum security prison. 
in Kamloops where he says he does a bunch of different stuff. Quite a different path, Arov. I mean, so many guys who played pro hockey wind up staying in pro hockey as a coach, manager, whatever. Or, you know, a lot of guys go into, like I interviewed Darcy Hordachuk the other night. He's doing some business stuff in Arizona. But, man, that's that's quite the path. Hey, I'm going to go work in a maximum security prison. That's that's how I feel fulfilled. <laughs> well, especially in, a, in a, a city that he was very famous in. I mean, he was as, as big a star as you're going to ever get in, in Kamloops. So there are, I'm sure, a few people that he sees on a daily basis now they would remember him as a hockey player. So hopefully that's a benefit to him as a card. Well, you know, and he did say that you got to be a good communicator and sometimes you wind up, uh, you know, helping people or, or helping them maybe get their life back on track if and when they uh, they get out of that spot. Uh, Rob Brown joining us on, on Inside Sports. Tough news for the Oilers today, Rob. Ryan Nugent Hopkins took that hard hit on Saturday in Vegas from Braden McNabb. He uh, is on injured reserve. It doesn't sound like it's anything serious serious but the Oilers uh, have been able to use three centers at times or have some flexibility with uh, Dreisaitl playing on the wing with McDavid and then Nugent Hopkins can center the second line but obviously at least for the short term that flexibility is going to be gone. Well it hurts for for a number of reasons one RNH is having a very good season and losing any player right now does not help the Oilers especially in the position they're in not like they're sitting on a 10-point cushion where they can weather a storm. They need every point they can get. And the next little while that they have, the next little part of their schedule, I think is uh, a very good stretch for the others to put something very special together. So that hurts. And you, you said that the, the, the biggest thing is they lose their flexibility. Uh, in games where things aren't going good, you have the ability to, to put your two of your centers together. Usually it's Dreisaitl and McDavid. Well, now you're not going to be able to. So this is a, a big moment for some other players to step up, and especially for Leon Dreisaitl to, to drive a line because uh, they're desperately going to need it over the whatever stretch it is that Nugent Hopkins isn't playing. In Vegas, once Nugent Hopkins couldn't play because he missed about the last 26, 27 minutes of the game, Kajula went up there with McDavid and Maroon. Do you have a preference who goes up there between Kajula and Puliyarvi? Because Puliyarvi uh, finished the game with Dreisaitl and Lucic. Do you think it's? Uh, I mean, certainly Puliyarvi's having a better season overall. Do you prefer anybody on that right side with McDavid? I, I know you prefer Leon, but it's probably not going to be him. So, do you have a preference any other way? No, and I, I don't. And the reason why is in the National Hockey League, lines last for as long as you're successful. And if you put this, it starts Kajula and it doesn't work by the second period, it's someone different. If that doesn't work, it's someone completely different as well. I know that we as media people love talking about lines and we read so much into it. But as for coaching staffs and for players, they know it's, uh, I'm here for as long as it takes me to mess up or I'm on the third or fourth line as long as it takes me to prove I deserve to go up higher. So. I think they'll probably start with Kajula there because he had success and had a good game and then let him run with it. Here's an opportunity. And I know as a former player, you don't like seeing a teammate get hurt, but injuries create opportunities for other players and you've got to take full advantage of that because eventually that injured player comes back. You want to make a statement that I want more ice time than I was getting before. 
Rob Brown, our Oilers Inside the Game analyst, joining us on Inside Sports tonight. Edmonton back at practice tomorrow, and then they'll have a game Saturday night against the Vancouver Canucks at Rogers Place. Look, you, you, when, you, when you played, they didn't have this bye week where you get at least five days off. For the Oilers, it'll be six days between games, but, the, but uh, they're allowed to practice tomorrow. The, what do you think the good and the bad is? Or maybe you think it's only good or, or only bad, but having you know more than just a two- or three-day break, five days totally away from the rink, uh, what are the pitfalls, what are the possible benefits? Well, benefits is huge down the line. Uh, your body gets a chance to rest. Uh, you get re-energized. Your mind gets a chance to rest. You get away from the rink. You get away from hockey. And it won't benefit you in game one or two, but game 15, 18, 20, 25, whatever, in the remainder of the season, this break will be huge for all the players in the National Hockey League. You will have better hockey down the stretch because all these players had a break, and that's good for the NHL. Uh, pitfalls, we, we talked about it at Christmas, and people didn't like to hear it, but when a team takes a long break, as we saw the others do at Christmas time, they're not as sharp when they come back. And we saw... With the last two games, both Phoenix and uh, sorry Arizona and Vegas, both coming up by weeks, and they both lost. And you, you've gone on record a couple times with the record, and it's not a great record for teams coming up by by weeks, especially this long away from the rink. You are certainly not near as sharp as you were the week before. So that is a pitfall, and that's something you try to overcome. That's where you need some player or some goaltender to 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 steal something for you. But for me, it, as a player, I would have loved it. And it will benefit the entire National Hockey League come playoff time because these players will be less banged up, less fatigued, less mentally drained than they normally are. Well, that record last season was only 10 teams coming off a bye one out of 30 teams. Now, a couple of times, two teams coming off byes played each other, and that's going to be the case on Saturday when the Oilers play the Canucks. So somebody's going to win. Hopefully it's the Oilers who are a little sharper. Rob, before I let you go, in Philadelphia tonight, uh, one of the greats of uh, certainly the 1990s, uh, you know, you talk about size, skill. You love players that can have both. Eric Lindros, number 88, having his number retired by the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. You obviously would have seen the ice against him a few times in your career. What do you remember? Well, the first time I ever met Eric was, I was in Toronto for an event, and I I met him in the afternoon at the event, and he said, hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I don't know, nothing. Why? I got front row seats to see Madonna, like a virgin tour. You want to come sit with me? I'm like, you are now my new best friend, Eric Lindros. So I remember going to a concert with Eric Lindros. And then when I got to see him play and got to play against him, uh, I was very fortunate to grow up in Edmonton. And I saw them in their heyday. Eric Lindros played like Mark Messier. He was big. He was mean. He could score. He could intimidate. Uh, when Eric Lindros was, uh, was at his best, and injuries uh, derailed him for, for a lot of his career, but when he was at his best, he was as dominant a player in the National Hockey League as it's ever had because he came at a time where uh, big players could not play the way he played because he had every attribute you could ever imagine. So I wish, uh, well, you wish no player ever went through injury, but you would have wished to have seen what he could have done had he had a long, healthy career. But when he was healthy, Eric Lindros was as good as just about any player that ever played the game. Yeah, well said for sure. Rob, thanks for making time for me tonight. Hope your week has been a good one. I'll see you at the rink on Saturday, buddy. 
Sounds good, Reed. Take care. That is Rob Brown checking in tonight. Of course, he uh, wasn't able to work the game against Vegas on Saturday. Oilers won in overtime. He'll be back at it. Oilers Canucks Saturday night, Rogers Place. Want to get to a couple of your comments slash questions on the text line. It's 630-630 to get it to me on your smartphone. We'll check your out-of-town scoreboard. We got some U of A hockey talk coming up as well. You know, the Golden Bears are 1-2-1 and in their last four games. For that program, that constitutes a disastrous slump. Trevor Cox is going to join us. All ahead, Inside Sports on Chet. <laughs> This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. appreciate you tuning in tonight. Here's what's going on in the good old National Hockey League, which I'm sure many of you take an interest in. Bruins up 3-1 on the Islanders after 2 Young man by the name of Jordan Eberle has the Islanders' only goal. It's his 15th of the season. Man, the Bruins are just deadly. Lately, Bergeron has scored his 17th. Uh, pardon me, he scored twice to get up to 18 on the season. Spooner has the other goal, his 7th of the year. Devils leading the Capitals 3-2 after 2. Blue Jackets up one nothing on Dallas. That's through two periods as well. In the second period, Rangers 2, Sabres 1, Blues 1, Senators nothing, and Golden Knights 2, Lightning nothing. After the first period, no score between the Maple Leafs and the Flyers. Also no score between the Coyotes and the Predators. Later, Sharks at the Avalanche. The Penguins will play the Kings. You can text 630-630. All right, I was talking briefly about... 15, 20 minutes ago, uh, and this story is on the Global News website. The Here's the headline. Concerns raised about bear eating ice cream at Alberta drive through I have to admit, when I first saw that headline and didn't click on the story, I thought the bear walked through the drive through and was given ice cream. I, I assumed <laughs> it didn't order ice cream. I, I thought it was walking through the drive through But you, you go into the story, and the bear is in a vehicle. And uh, the, the the guy who works at the Dairy Queen is reaching out and uh, give, giving the bear some ice cream. So he's very brave. So anyway, Mike has texted in. He says, I believe that bear is Berkeley from the Innisfail Wildlife Park. It's a Kodiak bear who has been raised since it was a baby as its mother died. If you ever get a chance in the summer, it's a neat little place, and the info session they give on bears is very interesting, surprising how intelligent they are. Mike, thank you for the informative and mature text, because obviously I was uh, goofing around about a very strange... Well, I still find it strange, but I do appreciate that from Mike. And yes, the bear's uh, name is... Berkeley, and it is from the, uh, I guess, I think I think it's called the Discovery Wildlife Park in Innisfail. Somebody in the vi- identified in the video as Mark. Now, I hope this is the bear's handler or trainer, whatever they're called. Uh, here's the quote. We've got Berkeley in the drive-thru testing out some ice cream. So, oh, I guess Berkeley's a she, pardon me. We've got Berkeley in the drive-thru testing out some ice cream so she can pick out her birthday cake. We've added some peanuts to this batch, and she seems to like it. So I think we've got a winner here. So this is incredible. Who, who says bears are mistreated in, in uh, parks and zoos? They, they take the bear out not only to have ice cream, but so it can sample ice cream for its for a because then it's getting a cake. 
bear's going to have a better birthday than the average adult. That's incredible. Another texter says, uh, Pistol Pete texting in, Reed, with Talbot playing the way he has and Montoya playing on par as he should, what are your thoughts on playing Montoya against Vancouver on Saturday? Maybe give Talbot more of an edge the next time he plays due to the fact that Montoya is by far our best backup in the Talbot era. Maybe light a fire under his you-know-what and make a run out of these last 30 games. Pistol Pete, respectfully, there is... In my mind, no chance that Montoya will start on Saturday. And if I were the coach, which I know is an absurd thought, uh, but uh, I I would certainly put Talbot in. I think if there was a time you're going to come back with Montoya, and Kelly Rudy actually said this, and Rob and I, after the Arizona game, we both said we would have started Montoya in Vegas. Bob and Jack, who are obviously at the game, said they would have started Talbot. Todd McClellan decided to start Talbot. He played uh, he played fine against Vegas. So I, I don't think, given Talbot's performance in Vegas, that they're going to come back with Montoya. Uh, but like I said with Kelly, maybe, you know, I think, I know I've talked to somebody who played with Montoya, an ex-player who said he's a great guy. He uh, seems pretty laid back and, and humble from the brief interviews I've heard with him. I mean, obviously, I've never really interacted with him because he hasn't been an oiler before, but maybe he has a bit of a veteran-calming mindset that will help Talbot and help the team. And I would think, I'm going to make a wild guess here, even though we haven't seen a lot of him, probably a lot of you are more comfortable with Montoya as a backup than, yes, anybody else since Talbot's been here, as Pistol Pete referenced. So... We'll see. If, if Talbot's solid, maybe, maybe the Oilers got a chance to go on a big run. I always enjoy talking to a winner of the Wayne Gretzky Award. There are always three youngsters named winners during Quick Cart Edmonton Minor Hockey Week. We're going to talk to one of them when we get back. We'll also introduce you to Golden Bears forward Trevor Cox. Um... I just was checking some information about him. Trevor Cox's Wikipedia page, I'm pretty sure has been hacked, likely by some of his university buddies or ex-junior teammates, because his Wikipedia page says that he's four foot eight and 65 pounds. I'm guessing he's bigger than that, but we'll verify when he's on the show in the next half hour. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.